2: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed
0: you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo
1: Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go through everything racing. Uh, Before we do that, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. Uh, With me as always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Mr. Richard Uden, race engineer, and Seth Eggert, NASCAR correspondent at Motorsports Tribune. How is everybody tonight?
3: good doing
1: doing, you. very good thank you all right well great to have you all here we had a had a big weekend of racing all three major series uh seeing action we saw kevin harvick take his fifth win on the season in uh kansas um will power took his first win on the season at the indianapolis at the indianapolis grand prix um his third win in that particular event um and then in formula 1 lewis hamilton who had a kind of a slow start to his season is now uh two in a row and and looking to uh, as always put his stamp on the rest of this season so uh, uh with that being said let's uh, let's start off with uh with the nascar race uh kevin harvick and the fords uh continue to look very strong um gray <laughs> seth uh, let's uh let's talk about this kansas race a little bit um and this you know really great season for the ford camp
4: Yep, it was, uh, uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, was, uh, was, was really fast there again, uh, won the poll and, uh, and, uh, looked like, I mean, he, he won the poll, but I don't think he won, uh, didn't win any of the stages, I don't think, did he, Seth? He didn't win any stages during the thing, but... No,
3: he did not.
4: But he won the, he won the, won, won the big part of the race, the last part when he, when he took checkered flag, but, um... Yeah, and he won that kind of in dramatic fashion. Uh, uh, Truex kind of put himself in position there after after a late caution, and uh, by playing a little pit strategy, and uh, Harvick was able to run him down and uh, on on fresher tires and, and and make the pass on the last lap and uh, and and win the race. Um, but uh, pretty good uh, pretty good race I thought uh, for the, for the most part uh, under the lights on, on Saturday at Kansas. Um, they, of course, there was one big, uh, one big crash there late in the race, when uh, uh, particularly on a restart, and uh, William Byron took a took a really hard lick, got turned up into the fence, and they actually landed on top of Ryan Newman's car, and uh, took out what about uh, five or six cars in that seven, time. yeah, seven cars. Yes, yeah, correct, seven cars in that one crash. Um, but um, again, mostly the. Uh, and, and one thing that I thought uh very good, the uh the the uh the call of uh, Kyle Larson was very strong uh during the race and probably would have had a shot at the win had he not tangled with uh, Ryan Blaney uh late in the race and, and, and uh caused the tire to go down and, and ultimately led to Blaney falling out of the race. But um that was uh you know, I was really surprised to see how well that car ran there. And of course, you know, we've been hearing about how how bad the Chevrolets are this year and uh, how they not how uncompetitive they are when you compare them to the Fords and Chevys. That was, uh, I'm sure, uh, was was encouraging to the Chevy camp to some degree uh, with him running that well.
3: Well, it was not only was he running well until that absent Chris uh, Chris Buescher was also running well. Yeah, he
4: was. He did. He he had a really good run
3: and. Both Blaney and Larson were the two drivers that won a stage this week. However, as good as Kyle Larson was running uh, after the contact, it was much more noticeable. But the rear windshield was caved in, as has been uh, with photo evidence. Kevin Harvick previously in the year, early or earlier in the year, Chase Elliotts, uh, Clint Boyers, Kurt Busch. Daniel Suarez, and list goes on and on. Well, he ended up getting a L1 penalty, Larson. He loses 20 driver points, 20 owner points, the uh, playoff point from the stage win, takes him out of the top 10 in points, and there are now no Chevys in the top 10 in points. I don't remember the last time Chevrolet did not have a car, or a driver for that matter, inside the top 10 in points.
4: Uh, I can't either. That 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 to me, that's astounding to a degree, and I'm sure it's, you know, we talked about it, some some encouraging signs for Chevrolet with with the run of, of the 42, but then again, they're still shaking their heads and 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 claiming they need to go back to work and uh, to the, help develop that new Camaro. So we'll see how that goes during the uh, during the rest of the season. But yeah, what do you what do you mean? Ford's dominance has just been off the charts, and, and and the job that the Ford team has done this year has been, uh, has been exceptional. They have been, uh, they have been one of the or the car to beat in just about every race that they have run this year. So yeah, it's uh And he's got to be the odds-on favorite to to win the
1: championship,
4: no doubt. Well, now I'll tell you,
1: I'll tell you what the most compelling thing about that stat is, Seth. Where you told me you you can't even remember the last time that uh, Chevrolet didn't have a car in the top ten is that you can't remember that because you usually know everything and you're the you're the <laughs> you're you're our resident statistician here and and if it, it, you know it must have been quite a long time uh, if you don't have that information out your fingertips but yeah again uh, amazing to see Chevrolet shut out of the top ten
4: uh, you and, know, and most you know, the season and thing of, you think about it is the that up until Toyota won the Manufacturer's Championship, I believe, what, last year, Chevrolet had gone on a streak of Manufacturer's Championships. Um, Gosh, I got a... Working at Childress, they give a... Chevrolet would give all the guys on the team a hat every year if Chevrolet won the uh, Manufacturer's Championship. Of course, it was a Chevy you know, what a Manufacturer's Championship. And I've got a Box full of them from uh, from about the time I started at Childress in 2010 until about uh, uh, 2016. I think it went through. I know oh. for a fact. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a long, long,
3: long,
4: long, long
3: time. you oh, do that. Jeff Gordon did that in 1997. And then the other names I'm going to list, Richard Petty, Cale Yarborough, David Pearson, and the other one I want to say was in the 50s. I had to go back and look later. But, but he done now six with uh, Harvick. And he's on pace. At the rate he's going, he could have, granted, Anything can happen, but he could win 15 races with the pace he's going.
1: Uh, he sure could, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen that kind of single-card domination in a while. I mean, Truex had a great run last year with seven, but, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we are early, early in the season. And uh, here's here's Harvick with five.
3: Exactly. And I actually have that name now, uh, Ned Jarrett.
1: Gentleman Ned.
3: So he is a basically everybody on that list is either a Hall of Famer or a future Hall of Famer, and someone who surprisingly is not on that list, at least to me, is Jimmy Johnson. As dominant as Jimmy Johnson has been, he has never gotten onto that list. And just notice that this one on Jimmy Johnson, if he doesn't win at the Coke six hundred, it'll be the first time in his cup career that he has gone a full thirty-six races without winning.
4: Wow, that's uh, that's something there. I don't and I don't foresee. Uh, I really don't foresee a win in their immediate future. Uh, they got some work. They like the other Chevy teams, other than the forty-two, maybe have got some work to do before. Uh, before they, you just haven't shown any speed. You know, when you figure that, looking at the race on uh, on Saturday night. Jimmy got. I think Jimmy ran right around the tenth, like tenth, tenth or eleventh or twelfth, somewhere around there, Most of the race, and you know, with his experience, I mean, you know, he's that's that's as far as he could take that car, as far as that car would go. He,
3: so and that, that
4: that just tells you what's what's going on in that camp.
3: And ultimately, he finished two laps down, and at one point. Fox made a big deal that Jimmy Johnson and Matt Kenseth were fighting for the free pass. And mind you, that was before the end of the first stage. Wow. And speaking of Kenseth, this was his first race back. Uh, He had a lot of issues this week, him and his Roush Fenway racing team. Uh, They were behind getting out uh, to practice because of tech issues. They never got a chance to qualify because of tech issues. He was a lap down before the competition caution on lap 30 and had to get the free pass. Then, as I said, later on was a lap down, and he ended up getting caught up in that uh, melee at the end.
1: Yeah, but um, overall, though, you know the fact that this team is having some of these issues here isn't that one of the main reasons uh why they they brought Kenseth in you know to have have a little more experience there to maybe you know maybe this first outing was was a little rough uh but just having that experience behind the wheel uh, do do you feel like the you know that that having him there has done anything to kind of uh point to a brighter future for that team
3: well i think it's confirmed that uh whatever the issue was it was not the driver. It is the car.
4: I think but, someone having someone, uh, the caliber of Matt Kenseth that can come in, he'll help, he'll help guide that ship over there and, and help them, uh, build be another, another, some more input into working on the ills of the race car and, an experienced hand. So, uh, you know, I think we'll see some, I think we'll see some positive gains from the Roush camp, you know, and, and one race out of the box is not, you know, is nothing to be concerned about.
3: And uh, I'll let you go, Frank.
1: Oh, okay. Now, I want to bring Richard into the conversation because, uh, Richard, we were having a pretty good talk uh, off the air <laughs> before we started about uh, just some of the um, – you know, drivers throwing shade, and uh, you were talking about uh, Martin Truex and his comments. I just just wanted to kind of get your your thoughts on yeah. that there, because it was it's it's always pretty entertaining to listen to you, Richard.
2: It was a it was our typical show before the show, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, he, of course, you know, all these drivers like the sound of their own voices, and you know, they want to be in the media. They want to be, uh, you know, they want to have column inches written about them, and. And Truex came up with the comment how bad it is for the sport, for want of a better word, that Ford are being so dominant and winning every race and Harvick's being so dominant. Well, you know, as I said, Truex has got a pretty short memory and he wasn't complaining last year when uh, when his guys were winning week in, week out. And it, it's what goes around comes around in the sport.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's that everybody's going to going to complain that someone else has the unfair advantage and it's cyclical you know it always has been it, it, this sport runs like that you have teams on top and they slip and and other teams ascend to the top and everybody's always accusing somebody of cheating Someone finds finds an advantage. They work a little bit harder and they get on it, and it doesn't take long before that advantage is just kind of eaten up, and then the whole the whole world turns over again. It's nothing different. We talk, you know, you talk about Truex throwing shade on the Ford camp, and last year it was Keselowski throwing shade on the Toyota camp about this and that. So yeah, it's just. It's just the way it is. It's just the nature of the business. I think part of it is yeah. is, is not is, is driven by the drivers and that drives the fans. You've got you, you know, you got different fan bases that are loyal to the manufacturers and they're going to they're going to chime in and do it. I saw one article today that said, you know, could uh, these streaks be bad for the sport? You know where Kyle uh, Bush goes on a three race streak, and you know Harvick had earlier had his three race win streak, Now he's working on another one. But um, I don't think it. I don't think that to me is detrimental to uh, to the sport. I think it, I've always felt that the novice fan or, or the fringe fan catches on to stuff like that, and they might pick up the newspaper to see. Or, or check in on, on the internet to see, did that did that hot guy win again this week? You know, to to create a little bit of, you know, create a little it, little more interest. I don't think... Oh, you mean, right. he,
2: you mean he's on a hot streak, sorry. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> right. right. Well, uh, minute, that, you know, that,
1: that did sound a little funny, Gray, yeah. He <laughs> well, I <mean>, you know,
2: <laughs> was a, a hot streak.
1: But that yeah. hot guy but, you know, won it, again.
0: Right, <laughs> but,
1: But, uh, oh, but I'll tell you what, Gray. I absolutely agree with you. I think that streaks are good for the sport. I think streaks are good for any sport. I mean, when you get uh, you talk of stick and ball sports, sure. when, when you got a team yeah. that goes on a you know three, four, five game winning streak, you know it it's, it's talked about. I really yeah,
4: do. Yeah, I think a, it creates interest among among fringe fans or novice fans. It, it it garners a little extra attention and brings people in. I'm I'm sure. You know, in, in 1967, when Richard Petty went on his 127 races, and um, uh, among those 27, 10 in a row, I'm sure that, uh, that captured the imagination of a lot of people. You know, d- you know picked up the paper, you know, uh, day after day, week after week, to see if that streak uh, continued or, or was broken. So, yeah, I, think, uh, I, don't think it, I don't think it's a detriment to the sport by any means.
2: Yeah, I just. Yeah, whole... I, I, sorry, I got cut off there earlier when I was in full flow. I think I don't know what uh, how much you got of, um, of what I was saying, um, but I think the point on the streak is it depends what it's if it's competitive. You know, with three laps to go at Kansas this last weekend, you didn't know who was going to win. I mean, a right. had a pretty good chance because he's on new tires and he was you know pushing you know he, on raw pace. He was going to pass Truex, but it was a. Um, if it's, if it's sort of, a, you know, a procession like you had in Formula One, you know, with Ferrari in like 2004-ish, yeah. then, yeah, it does get a little bit, oh, here we go again. Um yeah, So, to, yeah. when you've got that competitive edge, uh, and I think NASCAR can hold the streak um, sort of context because of, it, it, you know, you don't know who's going to win. You know who's going to be fast, but you never know who's going to win. Um so I think they've got a bit of an advantage maybe of other other forms of motorsports when you look at that winning streak you know scenario. Absolutely yeah,
1: absolutely agree. Yep. So we had um did we have Xfinity and trucks in action in Kansas this weekend we as well? We had trucks. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the truck race <clears> before <throat> we uh, move on and begin to talk about um the upcoming two weeks at Charlotte.
3: Well the truck race was flat-out dominated by Noah Gregson. He led 128 laps of the 167, and he started on the pole. He won the race. He won both stages, becoming just the third driver in truck series history to sweep the stages, the pole, and the win, joining his former teammate, Christopher Bell, and his boss, Kyle Busch. And... It looked like it, there would be a good battle at one point between Gregson and Stuart Friesen and Kyle Bush. However, a late caution forced, well, a change of strategy. And Friesen, under that caution, trying to save fuel, had his shifter knob break off and his engine shut off. And by the time he... Re- that's no fun. By time, <laughs> yeah. By the time he restarted, he fell back to sixth on the grid. He was able to uh, make that up pretty much by turn one and was running second to Gregson. Uh, some pitch strategy is what ultimately decided the race. Friesen and Bush took two tires. Gregson took four. And uh, Gregson had to come from about a lap behind because they were green flag pit stops to uh, win the race. And it was a good battle between Friesen and Bush for what could have been the win. Uh, Bush ended up going through the grass at one point because of contact between the two of them. But all in all, it was a decent race. Uh, John Harnimczyk had to start from the back because of unimproved adjustments. He ended up finishing fourth. You had a handful of drivers try to stretch the fuel and ended up running out with a handful of laps to go, including Austin Hill, Darrell Wallace Jr., and Mike Snyder. So the race had a little bit of everything, but it was ultimately dominated by Noah Gregson.
1: Well, good job for Noah Gregson. So Now, we've got the All-Star Race coming up, and um, I, as far as I'm concerned, I, I used to really enjoy the All-Star Race. It, it, somewhere along the line, it, it's lost a lot of its luster for me, um, you know, I know they they, they changed up the gimmicks. Uh, you know, and we we've tried everything in in, in the past. You know, the the fan vote and invert the field and and all these sort of things. And and um, but uh, you know, there were some really really compelling and good all star races in the past. And and you'd see guys, um, you know, give it their all at the expense of uh, you know just wrecking right at the end. So, yeah. uh, but I, I you know for for some reason it, maybe it's just me it just the all star race just doesn't resonate with me like it used to um but uh, you know what are your guys thoughts on that do you still feel like the all star race is, is relevant or does it need more tweaking or or is it fine the way it is and I should shut up
4: i think that, i think the
1: sorry go ahead. Ahead, Greg. Sorry.
4: well i was going to say i think the uh, the all star race is, is fallen victim to the style of racing that we see on the mile and a half and basically that's that's just a, a, a kind of an arrow type thing where you get a car that gets in clean air and and it's t- difficult for the cars behind them to mount a challenge race and I think that what we've seen over the last decade that's that's what we've seen we've seen similar, uh, similar things at the mile and a half track. Charlotte being one, I, you know, the the races at Charlotte for the last seven, eight years or so have been kind of ho hum affairs. So I don't I don't know that it's so much that you know it's, it's the, the the formats there to do things to stir the to to stir the pot. But then again, this this the way the the way the cars are and on the tracks that on, on Charlotte Motor Speedway they just uh, haven't been able to produce the the show they've needed to do. There's been a lot of talk over the years that maybe the the All-Star Race should rotate uh, away from Charlotte and be held on a a variety of different tracks, uh, short tracks, uh, even speedways. But, um, you know, the reason it's at Charlotte is because Charlotte area is home base to the teams. uh, The the two weeks... uh, uh, there in May have traditionally been, you know, uh, sort of a homecoming, if you will, for the teams and, and a lot of the fans to to come back. So I think that's one reason they they've kept it there. I will say this year, I really think they have probably done something to really stir the pot this time with the aero package that they're going to bring in and add restrictor plates to the to the uh, cars. They're going to essentially bunch the feel up.
1: In, uh, now this is the same package that we saw, um, in ex- the Xfinity, Xfinity in, r- race at um, at the Brickyard at the yes. Indianapolis. Okay, all right, that that was a really good race for you know Xfinity race at the Brickyard. So I'm really kind of excited to see how this plays at Charlotte.
4: There there are a lot of unknowns. Uh, the spoilers, they're going to be a huge spoiler that they're going to put on the cars. Uh, uh, the uh, the duck work and the thing, none of the and, and the splitter, none of that stuff has been available to the teams uh, prior to this race. Uh, you could get a spoiler, but you really, I mean, you couldn't get all the components to, to put on the car to, to build the aero package so that people could go to the wind tunnel in advance of this. So it's going to, a lot of those components, the splitters, the spoilers, the uh, the ducks that they're gonna uh, they're gonna be issued to the teams at the racetrack. So there's a lot of unknowns that are gonna go. in. And then of course, obviously, we got the restrictor plate that's gonna come into come into play too. So uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I think uh, Saturday night uh, it could be uh, a wild affair with this rule package.
2: Well, yeah, I'm yeah I a think that's the uh, that, that's the big thing now that the Soul Star race has turned into, hasn't it? it it's a bit of a sort of a real life R and D session for for NASCAR to throw you know new concepts at the cars and, and, and try new things out, and they've got to do something to you know liven up, for want of a better word, these these mile and a half races because they are to a greater extent the backbone of what of what the series race is on, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of them have become a little bit processional recently. Uh, so it, it's going to be fascinating to see um, yeah. how how this package works. And you, you you've got to be careful. You don't want to turn every mile and a half circuit into a super speedway where you can right. end up with this pack racing and it becomes a lottery who wins. You know, NASCAR's yeah. got a pretty good balance of mm-hmm. four or five guys every year who will win a couple of races and you know are pretty competitive. And maybe you get two or three with the odd, you know, freak result, but you don't want to turn it into a lottery where you can get anybody winning on a super speedway. Um,
4: exactly. I think, I think, like you said, there's a fine line they walk when, when they do this, but I applaud them for trying to do this and do something. And, uh, you know, you know, last year they had that tire uh, was it last year or the year before. It was last year. Yeah, last year when they had that had the softer tire, the two the two tire compound things, and that really that really didn't come into play. And I think uh, mm. it wasn't well thought out because uh, uh, the they didn't do much testing prior to it. And and Charlotte is a such a temperature sensitive racetrack, and starting that thing in in twilight in the daylight and running into twilight and running into the nightfall they just did that that program just didn't have the desired effect that they had hoped it would so um I'm, I'm i'm hoping this new package will uh tighten the field and uh maybe we'll see uh i mean i don't know i don't know that we'll see exactly pack racing at 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 charlotte um uh, we may see the cars closer together, and if it does bunch the field up some, uh, that'll be terrific. But like I said, it's just so many unknowns going into this; it remains to be seen just exactly what will happen.
1: So, quick question: Are there any plans to uh, utilize this package anywhere else over the balance yeah. of this season, or is or is it, this it in preparation would, for next year?
3: It would be used next year, from what I understand. If it's a success, uh, I will say this though: the ductwork that is going in the front of each car, yes, it's coming from NASCAR, but NASCAR has made unique ductwork for each manufacturer, so that way it fits the front fascia. Right. So that right. way the cars keep their unique look. Basically, all, all,
4: basically all it does is put is it is it it puts a hole two holes in the front of the car and channels the air out to the side of the car, through the, through the nose and out the side of the car. So that's basically all it, all it's doing. Um, and, of course, uh, it, it worked, I thought, pretty well at, uh, at Indy last year for the Xfinity race. Uh, that race was, was the best Xfinity race they'd ever had at, at Indianapolis. And uh, hopefully we'll see uh, we'll we'll see a, a better show at Charlotte this weekend.
3: And the Xfinity Series will be using that package again at Indianapolis, as well as at Michigan and at Pocono. All that'd
1: right, that'll be, so we'll, interesting. We'll that'd be to, interesting in Michigan. That'd be interesting in Pocono as well. Mm. So because the Pocono is kind of similar to Indy with the with the. With the fairly flat and uh, lack of banking but uh, you know Pocono was a unique track all its own with all three turns being a bit different so that'll be that'll be neat to watch how that plays out. It'll be neat to see how the cup cars um are handling and and what happens next year. So um with that being said, let's uh <clears throat> do you guys want to make picks for the All-Star race or not? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you we, don't we, have we, to. We, it's always well, no, cr- we, so can, it's
4: we can we can. We
1: can just just for fun. Hi, so Seth, raining, you yeah. pick rain? Okay, <laughs> all right. So, Seth, you picked rain. Okay. So now if it rains, will we do Sunday afternoon, you feel? I would say,
4: uh, I would say it would be a Sunday afternoon if, go if, it, if they can't do it Saturday night.
3: Right, right now they're calling for between 50 and 70% chance of rain uh, on Saturday and a 90% chance on Friday for the truck race.
4: Wow, That's bad, bad deal. I hate it. Cause I, I, I got tickets to go. So I was looking, I'm looking forward to it just to go in and see what kind of show that's going to be. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say too, that I, I think that with, even with the, uh, arrow enhancements and things, I still think that the Fords are still going, the Fords and Toyotas will still be the dominant cars there. Uh, for the All Star race, uh, but I think we could, because of this being an All Star race and being the format and everything else, I think we'll see. I think we could see a surprise winner uh, in this thing, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm, on, I'm just gonna go out and let limb, say Larson.
1: Okay, Larson and Richard. Who do you like?
2: Um, on a, I was gonna go and pick Thunder. If we've already had rain, okay, all right, nice so yeah. In. And then give uh, some a Um who, who who are we gonna go for this? Almorola. Okay, alright. Now,
1: Seth, uh, do you wanna stick with your pick of rain uh, or would you like uh, to choose I'm, a, I'm, a driver I'm, I'm off get, the roster?
3: Well, I'm gonna choose a driver. Uh just wanna make sure though, Richard, you do know Almarola is not in the all star race yet. He's gonna have to go yeah, to the he'll open. have
1: to race in, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. He'll do but it. I, just want to make sure you're aware of that. Uh I'm gonna go Stupid Right. I'm gonna go with Harvick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? And I'm gonna go with TrueX because you know, after all, it's bad for Ford to win all the races. And <laughs> so uh that being said, let's talk about Formula One. Speaking of people winning all the races. Um Hamilton's uh two in a row now. Um pretty pretty handily uh, covered the field there in uh, Barcelona. Uh, Richard, you're our resident Formula 1 expert, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the Formula 1 race uh, in Spain and um, the, you know some of the drivers through the field who really had a, a good days and a couple that had a pretty bad day.
2: Yeah, it, it's the start of the European season, so the traditional season in, in, in Formula 1 where they get away from all the flyaway races and some teams bring quite dramatic upgrades to the car red bull and and mclaren were the two that uh, were probably most noticeable um mclaren went for a very um unorthodox you would say nose design um you know taking a little bit of inspiration from what you've seen um guys like force engine and do with the ducks on the front of the nose gone for a slim down nose section like the mercedes and some some quite aggressive and in, um inventive for want of a better word uh Air fins, aero fins around around the nose there, but when it actually came to the track time, nothing really much had changed. Nothing had changed. Uh, McLaren did see a bit of improvement from those guys. Um, Mercedes, as I think we discussed last week in the show, they they've sort of they have nailed it down a little bit now. They they sort of said, okay lads, you've had four races to to sort of um, you know get a bit of a you know false false sense of hope. We, we're going to show you how it's done and pretty much was a mercedes domination at the front of the uh the pack all weekend we saw engine failure for raikkonen and uh, i think it was friday practice um a lot of cars spinning out on on friday with the track being so hot it was very very hot there on friday and the track was overheating and the tires were were, were, were really struggling on friday so you had a lot of guys spinning off and and sort of putting the cars out there and then um Saturday morning, I think it was. You had Brendan Hartley have a huge accident uh, coming up to the right, the fast right-hand uh, turn. I think it was. I think it's about turn nine, a little fast right kink, and he just lost the back end and uh, hit the wall very hard. And actually, when they were winching the car away, it broke in half. Um, so that was quite an expensive fix for for Honda. Every part of that engine was uh, was was swapped out by Honda there. So they're they're facing engine penalties sooner than they'd like. Um, and then into the race again. You, you sort of you had know, a pretty pretty competitive start there. You know, Mercedes pulled away, and you had you know, Lewis Hamilton pulled away quite quite aggressively at the start there. And then in the mid pack, you saw um, Kevin Magnussen get a little bit uh, out of shape going into that fast sweeping right hand turn three, which sort of had the <laughs> desired effect of. Uh, of sort of washing across the nose of his teammate, Roman Grosjean, who, who span on the outside of Turn 3. And instead of just letting the car drift to the outside of the track, sort of decided it would be a good idea to, to give it full throttle, um, trying to disappear in a cloud of smoke like a magician, but unfortunately went back across the uh, oncoming traffic and uh, collected Pierre Gasly and uh, Nico Hulkenberg, I think, was caught up in that. Uh, was there another car, potentially? But at least three cars were out on that first lap, and, and and Grosjean probably rightly got a penalty for that. It was a pretty, um, pretty, pretty poor move from a guy who's pretty experienced now. I mean, yeah, everybody remembers yeah,
1: Grosjean's it, taking a taking a beating on social media this week. Um, yeah, and I, just, and you know, I don't know if it's a case of what they, you know, Formula One drivers like to refer to it as brain fade, <laughs> is what I've heard for years. Well, but, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, did he like you said earlier off the air, he mixed up the pedals or, or, or whatnot. But, uh, well, I
2: mean, I think the problem that he's facing is that he's sort of openly admitted that he's like, oh, well, I'll put my foot on the throttle to try and get across to the other side of the track. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but you've got another... Ten cars coming, uh, uh, you know, at you at one hundred and twenty odd miles an hour. So, you know, yeah, it's just he, not a smart idea. If he'd been out there. No, if he'd been out there by himself in a practice session or something, yeah, I get it. But um, yeah, it it wasn't um, wasn't the smartest idea on his movement on his part. I don't think. Um, and then throughout the race, you know, you, you again sort of settled into your typical Barcelona procession. Almost, you know, anything inside two seconds of running the car in front you'd just start you know you'd start getting that weight across the front of your car and you'd get massive amounts of understeer you wouldn't get the front grip so you pretty much sat two seconds back and uh nothing really you, know, you had a bit of tyre strategy there between Bottas and uh, Vettel at the end of the race but nothing that really would cause any alarm. Räikkönen had another engine failure I think um Seth said earlier in the... um, When we're off air, it was officially classed as a turbo You know, what it was officially, we don't know. But, um, yeah, that's... uh, The conspiracy theorists will get their, uh, you know, get their, uh, you know, aluminum foil hat on and say, oh, you know, Raikkonen always gets the... Bad engines, but uh, yeah, yeah he, he's the, getting the short term.
1: The fact of the matter is that uh, it looks like Kimmy does well get, yeah. the, get the bad engines and whatnot. Now, obviously, you know, uh, Vettel's going to hold uh, number one status there, but uh, I, I don't see why Ferrari can't produce, you know, two uh-huh. engines uh, that'll last a race weekend. while they have to have a crappy one to give to well, to I, in? Right, so I you know, but. If the deeper conspiracy theorists would tell you that they're trying to just, you know, get, get, uh, you know, and so frustrated that he'll go ahead and retire and walk away, uh, open that seat for, for Clark, Charles Leclerc. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Kimmy's been around a long time. It's been, it's been eons since he's won a race, uh, despite, um, you know, having some really good performances. And more often than not, it's, it's the car that's let
2: him down. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the times what you're probably seeing with these engine failures isn't necessarily component failure. It is, but the component.
1: Okay, so it looked like we just lost Richard again. So, uh, Gray said, "You guys hear me? Okay." Loud and clear. Okay, all right. I'm not quite sure what happened there. We lost our friend Richard there, uh, and I believe it was probably uh, the Ferrari team shutting him down uh from that conspiracy theory he was about to <laughs> he was about to unravel so uh all right so um great yeah,
2: sorry uh, even even skype's getting bored with what i am saying. Uh, I was gonna say yeah. what i don't know if
1: they're getting bored i say you know we just we just had a little a little black there as soon as you started talking yeah, about ferrari
2: uh, uh, because i lost everything i too. was gonna say yeah, we got one heck of you, a storm coming through here yeah, right now yeah, you, so, say, well, you said you said
1: ferrari component failure and boom you were silenced immediately
2: Oh, okay. So. <laughs> no, I, I'd, uh, I'd I'd gone on to uh, yeah. Say I don't know what you got, but potentially that's an engine mode setting that they're trying, and so using Raikkonen as a bit of a guinea pig there. Um, you did mention earlier Charles Leclerc, Leclerc, and I think he's you know that he had that strong run at uh, Azerbaijan, and you know he he said in the press, oh you know don't expect the same at uh, Barcelona, or Azerbaijan, you know sort of mask the weaknesses within our car and you know what he goes and does the same thing again has a great battle uh mid-race with alonso there uh, and uh, you know that that's uh that guy's that guy's the real deal um, very very impressed
1: yes and i'm i'm certain that he's going to be in a ferrari sooner rather than later um you know so and
2: it'd be interesting i don't know how i would do in on the old clock here because my clock keeps resetting but um, you know, if we got to, I just want to briefly sort of. This is a discussion we've had a number of times off air um, about the whole sort of concept of this feeder series in Formula One within the teams. You know, you obviously you've got uh, the close link between Sauber and Ferrari. You've got the obviously very close link between Red Bull and Toro Rosso, and how that works. If if Ferrari don't you know don't bring Leclerc up when and Reik- retires or gets, why have that system? If Red Bull don't pick up Pierre Gasly, who in all fairness to Brendan Hartley, they're going to pick up when Ricciardo leaves, potentially, then, you know, how do you justify these systems? Um, you know, does you look at, you look at the who's who of ex-Torroso you know, alumni, and you've got some pretty damn good drivers in that, you know, Jean Eric Verne, Jaime Algasquari, Sebastian Buemi, um Sebastian Baudet. You know, some really, really good, really talented drivers in that list. And right. they've never,
1: never stepped up to the top rung in Formula One. No.
2: Yeah. Um and you know, given given a chance, would they have done that? Uh, you, know, you look at Pascal Verline who, you know, was in the Mercedes Young Driver. Now, there's talk that he wasn't the easiest guy to work with and that maybe didn't help the sort of higher echelons of um, the Mercedes management when it came to picking a replacement for Nico Rosberg. But, um, you know, is, how should we put it, are these young driver schemes good for these kids? Because you're basically, you're limiting your options to basically one team. How many times has a guy fallen out of a Toro Rosso and picked up a drive with, you know, Williams or, uh, you know, Force India or somebody like that? They don't. They they fall out of Toro Rosso and then disappear. So, I mean, yeah, is
1: that contractually? You know what I mean? Are they, you know, contracted to stay uh, with the Red Bull program or whatnot? And then if they're not selected, it's just they're done in Formula One or... Is there actually opportunity for them to jump to a Williams or a Force Indy or something like that? You know, like you say, it's interesting well, yeah. that these guys just drop off the face of the earth. They end up in in sports cars or or Indy cars or elsewhere um, when they have you know because there's only so many top seats in Formula One. You know what I mean? For sure. There, there's exactly six. You know, two Ferraris, yeah, two two, the Mer- moment, <laughs> two yeah. Red Bulls, and uh, <laughs> you know, two Mercedes. So, um, yeah, and a lot of guys in the feeder program. So.
2: And it's also interesting, you know, they, they talk about, a lot of people do, and we've talked about it on this show, guys like Nicka Hulkenberg and Roman Grosjean to a certain extent. You know, these are guys, that, and, and Sergio Perez, who are, you know, in the the middle of their career. You know, they've done their time with the smaller teams and they're sort of, you know, in that mid-pack team and they'll have great races every now and again and great results and they'll get a podium here or there unless you're Nicka Hulkenberg and uh, you know everybody said oh these guys are great you know they'll get a top drive they'll get a top drive but they never do get a top drive now you know is it because a they're not in this group they're not in this young driver program anymore or is it just simply because these you know sporting directors and team principals that pick drivers know things that we don't you know are these guys really as good as we think they are
1: and we may never know because, again, like I said, there's only so many good cars in Formula One. You know, if you turn turn the clock back to, you know, the the, the middle '80s, you know, the, the pre-turbo era, and even during the turbo era, you had at any given any given weekend, it could be a you know a, a Williams, a McLaren, Ferrari, Renault, Ligier, Tyrrell that could win the race. You know what I mean? And now it's yeah. yeah it's if Mercedes, Mercedes or Ferrari, and if one of those break down, you might see a Red Bull in victory lane, and that's pretty much it, and it has been for the last couple of years. I mean, when, when when's the last time that uh, a team other than Ferrari, Red Bull, or Mercedes won a Grand Prix?
2: Williams, two
1: thousand and twelve. So off the top of my head. So yeah, so we're talking six years. So yeah, yeah I think
2: I'm trying to think if there's been any other I I, I, I can't either.
1: I can't think of one I, I sure can't so but when when you have that lack of 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 parity at the top the 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 amount of top rides is it's a very small pool and and the amount yeah. amount of drivers looking for that is a very large pool you know and yeah. and which is why the the sports car series are filled with guys of who's who you know, who's who used to be who in Formula One uh, yeah. Guys making a pretty good living um, in WEC and some of these other touring car championships because the, yep. the opportunities in Formula One are few and far between. <laughs> and silence again. Richard, Ferrari shut you off again. Hello. Oh, sorry.
2: Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. Um, All
1: right. So um, Formula One, we've got the weekend off. Um, and then yep. –
2: then testing, the, this week. Testing, testing this
1: week and then the Grand Prix of Monaco coming up um for uh, yep. Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend uh, you know, one of our favorite uh our favorite long days of motorsports, you know, I have breakfast in Monaco, lunch at Indy. Um, and and a late dinner in Charlotte, um, you know it's always a fantastic weekend coming up. And you know, with that being said, you know, speaking of the Indianapolis Five Hundred, the uh, the month of May is upon us. Um, the Indy Grand Prix is in the books. Um, the track is open for practice. Um, the the pole is going to be decided this coming weekend. Um, we're gonna have a bump day for the first time in a couple of years. So, <clears throat> just first quickly, the uh, Grand Prix of Indianapolis. And um, Richard, you had a chance to watch it, I know. And Seth, I, Seth, you,
2: Seth, you watched it too. Uh,
3: I yeah. have off and on,
1: off
2: and on. Off yeah, on. I, I watched the race actually on a on a on a replay, uh, replay last yeah, couple so. of days. And um, it's a great track, isn't it? It's great. It, I, it I, is. have yeah. done a great job there. I, I getting that set up. I I
1: saw some social media comments, somebody who was complaining that the track was overly simplistic uh, because Penske wins every year. And then this guy's idea was they, they should change the layout every year. And, and then I you know obviously it was late at night I found myself getting into a, <laughs> a social media troll back and forth war with this guy saying that's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard of changed the track layout every year so that uh so that uh Penske doesn't win every year. I really don't think that uh it's an issue that Penske's won every year, and Penske hasn't won every year by the way the initial uh the inaugural 2014 was won by Simon Pagina, who was driving for Schmidt Peterson racing at the time. But, uh, but this particular version of the race, Will Power, um, who's won his, took his third win. Um, he knows his way around this place. Um, he he nailed all the strategy just right. Um, you know, he's had a kind of a rough start to his season. So picking up this win, uh, is, is good for Will. Uh, looks good on the month of May for him. And, um, I don't know. Seth is telling me something. I'm sure I <clears throat> lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, and again, It's interesting oh,
2: yeah. to see though. You know, you mentioned that um, you know Penske have dominated there in some people's eyes, which they have. You know, they've been very. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, Penske. Yeah, they've, they've won, dominated won, won one of these four out of the fast, road fast cars, five. Yeah. Um, but and you know, you look at their driver pool as well. But you know, it's great that from an IndyCar perspective, you look at. Some of the other guys, you know, Robert Wickens. I mean, he could have won every race this year, pretty much. Yeah, he's been in the the mix week in and week out. You know, Jordan King, he's been showing some pace. You know, he just hasn't put a full weekend together yet. And he's a rookie. You know, it'll come. It'll come for him. He'll start to to string, you know, the two or three days together. Um, But it's great for this series that some of these, what you may consider smaller teams, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, they're not the big three anymore. You know, they're starting to, to compete and mix with the big boys sort of thing, and that's great to see. Yeah,
1: Schmidt-Peterson has always been, like, the, the fourth best team, you know, uh, you know, between having Simon a couple of years ago and Hinchcliffe's yeah. been pretty solid with the team. Hinchcliffe remains to be pretty solid, with, you know, continues to be solid with the team. Um, the addition of Wickens um, has really upped the game. Uh, again, like you said, Wickens is been competitive week in and week out uh, two podiums um already could have had a third could have had to win as St. Pete had it not been for the last minute tangle with Rossi and Rossi's the other guy who's just been flat out impressive at every track this year he's uh only I believe two points behind Newgarden in the standings right now it's going to be a great battle for the championship as we come to Indianapolis with its double points. Excuse me. So um, qualifying is going to be this weekend. We have 35 cars entered, so we're going to have an actual bump. I'm looking at the speeds from the first couple days, and and I hate to tell all the Danica haters out there. Everybody was, oh, well, Danica, she'll get bumped, she'll get bumped. You know what? Honestly, uh, Danica has put on a... Respectable performance in the first two days of practice. She's in the top half of the field. Uh, day two, she was twelfth. Uh, um, her transition into the car was rather smooth; um, had no issues. So, uh, when it comes to who's going to be on that bump, you know, you haters can can probably um, just give that up. I, you know, Carpenter has always run well at the Speedway. He's given her a good car. Um, she's gonna she's gonna be just fine. Um, when it comes to a bump, some of the guys at the bottom of the order that I really are concerned with, uh, Kyle Kaiser, who's um, this is you know he's a rookie, um, pretty much a rookie team. Yukos put a car together, uh, put an effort together last year for the five hundred, um, but I, I just think that they may be in danger. Um, the other. The other one is James Davison on the fourth A.J. Foyt car. He's not been quite up to speed yet. Um, And some of the other bigger names that are towards the bottom of the chart there, Graham Rahal. But uh, I'm I'm sure that he's not going to be in danger of being bumped there. They will find the speed. So uh, that being said, let's talk about the top of the order. Yesterday, the first day of practice, it was Chevrolets and Penske's at the top with Simon Pagino and Elio Castroneves uh, putting the top two times of the day. Um, Today's practice uh, being Wednesday. This show will air Thursday. um, Marco Andretti, Scott Dixon, Sato, and Robert Wickens, four Hondas at the top of the order. The fastest Chevrolet being Charlie Kimball um, and not a Penske car. So uh, interesting there. So we'll have to see how things play out, you know, There were two days in, a lot of installation laps, uh, a lot of getting used to the new car. Uh, There are guys towards the bottom who really haven't uh, tried to do a a qualifying sim run and whatnot. So uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But uh, if if I want to say who's in danger of being bumped, I've got to look at Team Yucos and Kyle Kaiser, and I've got to look at James Davison. Um, Other people might tell you, uh pippa man but she's uh, she actually practiced uh, fairly decently um she in the 25th spot uh, on day two so let's have a see how it plays out particularly when we get to fast friday and we throw that extra boost on there so uh you guys get a chance to watch any of the practice
4: i've been on the road for the last couple of days i tried to tune in i've watched some like some replays uh of it but uh you know, I'm, I'm surprised that there haven't been any incidents so far, but, I mean, uh, I think similar last year, there really wasn't any incidents until in toward, toward the la- latter part of the week uh, last year. But I was thinking back to, you know, there's a little bit different this year. I mean, Indy's always captivating and always creates a lot of interest, but you remember this time last year, the, all the buzz was about... uh, uh
1: Alonzo. Yeah, yep. Alonzo being there, and
4: it, I mean, it was almost almost like must see TV. Everybody tuned in every day to see see how he would do. Yep. So yeah, and, and I this... missed I kind of I kind of missed that a little bit this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, this year the buzz is about Danica, but it's it is nowhere near the level uh, of Alonzo mania. You know, Alonzo attracted a uh, an international audience. Um, you know, but of course, it, there's a lot of folks keeping a close eye on Danica. This is her you know for all intents and purposes unless she changed her mind her final professional race of her career um and and again like i said she's done a respectable job you know i don't i wouldn't go out on a limb and say she's going to be a factor come race day but that possibility does exist
4: yeah i mean she's gonna she's gonna put she's gonna put people in the seats well you know like she always does and i mean it's a She'll be in a good she'll be in a decently competitive call. We know, you know we'll just have to see you know if she can knock off enough rust in the uh in, in this week and and next week and uh where she can uh, can be can com- be really competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a little early to start talking about favorites until we've you know gotten into qualifying but uh you know you've got to, you can't look too far past the Andretti team who's uh they've won what uh four out of the past five. Uh, or, or something along those lines, but, uh, you know, including the last two in a row. But uh, if you look at their driver lineup, you know, Marco has always been strong at the speedway, he hasn't uh, uh, had the luck that, uh, you know, a, a win for Marco would um, really do wonders for his career. I mean, here's a guy who nearly won a thing his rookie year in uh, 2006, and is t- he takes a beating on social media for... You know, what people perceive is him sitting in a ride that is only because his daddy owns the team. And, um, they, you know, his lack of talent, lack of focus are things that are brought up. I don't know how much of that is true. Um, I, I think that uh, he's got a really good chance this year. I think that um, Ryan hunter Ray always runs strong at the Speedway. He's got a good shot this year. And Rossi has been incredibly yeah. strong this year. And he could be a... Uh, he can be a uh a two-time winner uh, in a short amount of time but a lot of eyes will be on elio castro neves who's no longer full-time in the series but he's here um for the for the 500 uh in the bright yellow penzoil yellow submarine car
2: mm-hmm. f-
1: um with a shot at um becoming the fourth four-time winner and for his part, he practiced quite well uh, with the new car. It didn't take him any time to get used to the new car and get up to speed.
4: Yeah, I mean he, he'll be tough, and I think another one to look at too is Scott Dixon. Uh, Scott Dixon, uh, I, I believe Scott feels that uh, the track owes him one after what happened last year. He had a had a really strong car, and, and you just brought up Ryan hunter Ray. Ryan hunter Ray has had a had a Terrific car the last several years, and for one thing or another, has has just had had his race go awry, and uh, taking it from him. So there there are two other guys that I think uh, will be strong as as we approach uh, Memorial Day.
1: Yeah, and the one that always, you know that that I think has an Indy Five Hundred win in his very near future is uh, Will Power. I mean, here's a guy who was early part of his career was, you know, kind of known as a road racing specialist. But he, um you know, with uh, uh he's had a, you know, a, a win at Texas, a win at California. Um, he had, you know, second place at, at Indy behind uh, Montoya uh, back in 15. I think Will Power has an Indy 500 win in his near future. Uh, he's often overlooked. Um, You know, he's not a media darling, he's a little aloof, but if you just look at the way this guy has piled up wins, just piled up wins over the years, he's... he's realistically i read an article the other day written by a journalist that i respect uh, david Malsher, i believe wrote the article that who's the who's the best guy in indycar this year a lot of in indycar currently and um you know a lot of people will look to scott dixon with the four championships and whatnot but his uh his kind of take on it that uh you know willpower was uh is probably the best that's out there right now so um what are guys thoughts on willpower
4: well, obviously, the knock on him early on was was he, he was uh, he couldn't get it done. well. One that he couldn't get it done on on ovals, and, and you know uh, we I saw a discussion you guys were having the other week about you know uh, he's only got the one championship to his credit, and really ovals probably his finish on some finishes on some of the ovals probably have cost him at least a couple of championships over the years and if the knock on him was, you know, he just he was he was not he couldn't grasp the 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 discipline. But yeah, I think that's been dispelled. He, you know, like you alluded to, he, he's won at Texas, he's won at California, you can get it done. Uh it's it's difficult to win it in, in, in Indy. A lot of things have to go your way. There's been a lot of great drivers that have come and come through indie car racing that that you know, people thought would, you know, for sure had an Indy 500 win in them. And for one thing or another, just, just pure luck. Uh, has, has kept them out of victory lane. So you know, I think uh, I think you're right. I think yeah, uh, sure.
1: You yeah. guys like you know Michael Andretti or or you know Scott Goodyear, you know who have who have come, yeah. come close and not been able to seal. the Well, you look so. at
4: Michael, You go back to the old days, Michael Reith, and all those guys.
1: Boyd came, Ruby, yeah,
4: yeah, that came year after year and, and 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 run well there and just full full and and almost had wins there. You know, right in their grasp and had them snatched away by. You know, uh, just something beyond their control. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Wills Wills definitely, you know, he's he's in good equipment. He's got the talent. It's just, you know, things got to go his way one day, and he'll win
1: it. Absolutely. Well, we're we're up against the clock here. We've just got a few moments left. So let's uh, let's all make a pick for um, who's going to sit on the pole for Indianapolis. And uh, Seth, I'll start with you.
3: Uh. I'm going to go with New
1: Garden. Okay, um, Richard? Okay, Richard has been captured by the Ferrari people again, so Gray?
4: Oh, uh, I'm going to go, uh, gosh, I'm going to say uh, Ed Carpenter. Ed
2: Carpenter. Oh, yeah, well, can... I just, now. hang on, I said that. I said that, and the microphone was turned off. Okay, you guys can both pick Ed Carpenter. <laughs> Doesn't bother me.
1: <laughs> All right, so so Gray and Richard are both picking Ed Carpenter. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Marco Andretti takes the pole for this thing. Um, whether or not he wins, I don't know, but uh, I think he's been pretty solid at the Speedway year after year after year, uh, and his dad gives him a great car, and I think he's gonna he's gonna. Pull off a stunner of a flip <laughs> average, though. So.
4: Name at you too that 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 we got to look at too, and at, particularly after what happened to him last year, uh, is Bourdais. Uh, I think you know he, he had a he had a really fast car there before he crashed, and uh, and and probably had a legitimate shot at the pole last year. And uh, you know that t- that that's the little team that, that that can. So who knows? He he, he could pull it off too.
1: He sure could. Yeah, his practice speeds aren't there yet, but there's still there's still two more two more full days of practice before poll day. So uh, with that being said, I want to thank you, Gray, Richard, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker for hosting us. I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen. This has been Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. Good night.
0: Hey, what are you doing after this? After the race? Yeah. I don't know, but it feels like we am wasting a lot of time. No, I know, I know. I'm just excited, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, I love you. What? Nothing. Take you, man. Get out. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. I'm in there with you.
1: I
3: gotta get going. Yeah.
0: He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing.
4: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky
2: just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling
0: lucky?